1: Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. A little uh, NFL draft hangover, perhaps. Um, (laughs) Took forever to get that thing over with last night. Uh, We have Dan Zampano coming up at 9.30 to talk about last night's draft. Of course, the Patriots taking Alabama quarterback Mac Jones in the first round of the draft. Really what probably most Patriot fans were hoping that they would do, Uh, whether it was Mac Jones that you got or not. I mean, there was a lot of talk about the Patriots trading up. It turned out that they decided to just stand pat they got mac jones at number 15 didn't have to give up any of their draft picks for this year or next year in addition to what they've done free agent wise i mean i think you have to be happy so we'll uh, we'll see what dan zampano thinks about that it's funny you know um, i was watching the twitter feed last night and there were people that weren't happy about it they don't think that they think that mac jones was the fifth best quarterback in this draft yet others had him uh, maybe going number two overall. And in many cases, you know, I think the difference is is that Mac Jones is more of a traditional drop-back passer. He's more of the Tom Brady mode of quarterback as opposed to guys who can make things happen with their legs, and which is kind of the way that a lot of quarterbacks are going now. And I think a lot of Patriot fans were hoping they'd get somebody like that. Um, you know, I... I I think there were people that, that thought Justin Fields was the guy that the Patriots should have been targeting. Uh, and you know what? If if that was really the guy they wanted, he was probably gettable. I mean, he slipped all the way down to number 11. Uh, maybe they could have gotten him. But uh, anyway, we'll talk to Dan coming up about that at 930 this morning. Uh, before we get started, just want to say happy birthday uh, to Dave Massey, old friend of mine, college uh, a uh, college friend and uh, faithful listener to the show, so just want to say happy birthday to Dave this morning. We won't tell anybody how old you are, Dave. Of course well, actually, that's how old. I am. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, baseball from yesterday and a disappointing night for the Boston Red Sox. You go on the road to play a Texas Rangers team that's ten and fifteen. Now you've got Martin Perez on the hill, uh, obviously. He has not pitched especially well, yet you get a good performance from Perez last night. And the Red Sox just can't hit at all. They managed just three hits off of Ranger pitching last night. Um, and it's this is the beginning of a little bit of a trend. And I think if you're a Red Sox fan or if you're the Red Sox organization, Uh, You have to be a little concerned about this. Look, they have uh, scored two runs or less in three straight games. They are not hitting the ball at all, yet they're still managing to hang on to first place. And, I'm, you know, look, they're going to be fine. This is a team we know is going to hit. We're still waiting for some of these guys to have their bats wake up a little bit. Um, But an interesting thing, a stat that I saw this morning in the Boston Globe, when the Red Sox score at least four runs, they're 13-0. and 13-0. That's how good their pitching has been, where you can score four runs and you're going to win a game. They are 3-10 and 10 when they don't. So, obviously, uh, runs, hits, they've got to figure out a way to get this lineup jump-started. And now, and J.D. Martinez is in a bit of a slump. He's 0 for his last nine. I mean, that's... <laughs> You know, it, that's going to happen at multiple times during the season. But he had to leave the game last night. He walked twice and uh, went over one with a couple of walks. Ended up leaving the game. They were down 4-1 in the ninth inning. J.D. Martinez is scheduled to come up, and uh, Christian Arroyo came to bat in his place. And everybody's like, you know, you know, what the hell happened? It turns out that he was suffering from a migraine, and he will not play today either. So for a team that's already struggling, the guy that's been probably your hottest hitter, uh, he and uh, Xander Bogarts have been your two best hitters. He's not going to be in the lineup tonight either. So that is obviously a concern. Uh, What we are going to see tonight is Frenchie Cordero is going to play. Frenchie Cordero, folks, is one for 22 since April 15th. And he has struck out 14 of those 22 at-bats uh, he has not played in four straight games, but he will play uh, tonight. And Alex Cora said that he will play on Saturday as well. Um, Frenchie Cordero's time, if he does not start hitting, his time with the Red Sox is probably drawing to a close very quickly. Uh, Danny Santana, who they signed to a contract uh, just before the season started, uh, has been rehabbing an injury He's with the, at the alternate site. He's going to begin a rehab assignment with Class A Greenville in a week. I think the season opens May 5th, I want to say. So he will begin playing games next week. Look, Danny Santana is a switch hitter. He's a guy that can play multiple positions. He's got some speed. Uh, this may be exactly what the Red Sox need with the fact that Hunter Renfro's not hitting at all. Cordero's not hitting at all. Uh, You know, Renfro's hitting 179. You know, and the other thing the Red Sox are going to have to figure out is what they're going to do about Bobby Dalbeck. He's still not hitting. I, I know he hit his first home run, but look, it's no longer just a small sample size. This guy's played a month, and he's hitting 224. At what point do you become concerned about that? You know, Marwin Gonzalez isn't hitting either. I have faith that he will. And Marwin Gonzalez's uh, flexibility to move around the the field and the fact that he has made multiple great defensive plays at first base and second base uh, leads me to believe he's going to be just fine. But they've got to figure out what they're going to do about Dahlbeck and Renfro and Cordero. And with Santana coming and with – Michael Chavis down there. Look, at what point do you say we've got to give Michael Chavis a look because we have to have offense? I know they don't have to push the panic button right now because they're 16-10, and still sitting in first place. They got got some help yesterday despite the fact that they lost. Uh, Everybody else in the division, with the exception of the Orioles, lost too. So, uh, you know, no damage done. But Alex Cora's got to be a little bit concerned about the – Offensive outage. Now, their defense hurt them a little bit yesterday. Uh, Amora came in, gave up two bombs. This was a 1-1 game. The Red Sox finally got it tied up in the sixth inning. They showed some signs of life. Um, Then an error in the field. Two-run bomb. And then a solo shot in the seventh. And that was that. And the Red Sox just went meekly. Uh, from that point on, Gibson got the win for Texas last night. Three and zero improved his ERA to two point one six. Ian Kennedy came on and uh, picked up his fifth save of the season. So uh, Texas Rangers take game number one. It's four game series. So all oh, look as we've said, the Sox were seven games over five hundred to start the series. All they've got to do is play five hundred ball. If they play five hundred ball or a couple of games over, this is going to be a playoff team. Now, obviously. Red Sox fans are not going to be content with them just playing 500 ball between now and the end of the season, but uh, it still is going to get you in the playoffs. So you got to be uh, you got to be optimistic. They're going to be able to take two of the next three from Houston. Uh, look, Eddie Rodriguez is going to pitch this weekend. Uh is going to pitch. You know, you know that they've they've got an opportunity. Garrett Richards hopefully is going to be able to follow up his. Uh, last start that, you know, maybe he's found something and maybe they can win win the series. And look, that's all you can ask right now. This team's playing with house money, no question. So you you give them a little bit of a pass last night. I'm just concerned that three straight games now, uh, the bats have gone kind of silent. Um, Brandon Workman, remember him? Former Red Sox closer. He got released yesterday, got designated for assignment by the Cubs. I mean, boy, talk about a guy that has just fallen off the table. Uh, and it goes to show that with everything that went on and the anger with Mookie Betts being traded last year and some of the other moves that were done, you have to give Heim Bloom some props on this one. You know, he traded Workman. He traded Embry. They get back Nick Pavetta. They get back Connor Seabold. There is no doubt that the Red Sox won that swap. Uh, Heath Embry has pitched a grand total of uh, uh, three and a third innings for the Reds. So Workman, you know, is going to be looking for a job. I, you know, I don't know what I, I I mean. This is a guy that just a couple of years ago was unhittable. And now it's like guys are sprinting to the bat rack every time they saw him come into a game. So uh, uh, he gets released by the Cubs yesterday. I mentioned everybody else in the American League East losing yesterday. The Yankees lose to the Baltimore Orioles, and the Orioles split that series, uh, a four-game series. They split it two games apiece. And the Yankees and the Orioles are again tied for last place in the American League East. The Orioles win it 4-3 to three in 10 innings. Uh, a sacrifice fly by Cedric Mullins in the 10th inning, and uh, that is how the Orioles win it. The Orioles tried to give this one away. Cesar Valdez came in in the 9th inning with his team leading 3-2. to two. He walks the first two guys. I mean, it's, you know, unbelievable. And it looked like maybe he was going to try to – he might be able to, to skate out of trouble. But then he ends up uh, giving up a double – and they actually got lucky because the double that was hit actually bounced and went into the stands. It was a ground rule double. If that ball had stayed in play, the Yankees are going to win that game in uh, in nine. So Baltimore got a break there, and they took advantage of it. Uh, the one takeaway from this game yesterday, by the way, Aroldis Chapman is just ridiculous. I mean, I know at times this guy is, uh, you know, hittable. But he's picked up a new pitch this year. He's throwing a splitter. He has not allowed a run all season. He has faced 29 batters, and he has struck out 20 of them. He made the Orioles look stupid yesterday. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Aaron Judge did not play for the Yankees yesterday. He did come in as a pinch hitter, struck out on three pitches. Uh, So whatever's going on with his side, and uh, Aaron Boone was very – vague about what was going on with him, but whatever it is, it must not be too bad if they allowed him to come up as a pinch hitter. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, they they haven't said whether he's going to play or not, but it must not be too bad. He came in to uh, to pinch it for Rugnet Odor um, in the uh, ninth inning. Um, and the Tampa Bay Rays lose again yesterday as well. The Oakland Athletics, who have been, by the way, in about as much of an offensive funk um, as the Red Sox have, but they did just enough yesterday. They beat the Rays 3-2 to in 10 innings. A solid start for Chris Bassett. No decision, obviously. And uh, they get it thanks to Matt Chapman, who finally came alive. Chapman has been in a one for 25 slump. Going into this series, had a couple of hits on uh, Wednesday. Had two more hits on Thursday, and uh, that was the difference in this game. Chapman single-handedly won it. He hit his fourth home run of the season off McClanahan, and uh, then later had an RBI double. Mitch Moreland, by the way, old Red Sox friend, uh, another hit. He's uh, hitting 250, getting some regular playing time with Matt Olson still out for Oakland. Uh, Moreland has been getting some, some significant playing time and has performed very, very well. So now the Rays fall to, uh, 13 and 13 and they sit three games behind the Boston Red Sox, a half a game ahead of Toronto, who had the day off yesterday. Uh, other games around major league baseball yesterday, the Dodgers actually lost a game, folks. (laughs) They lose to the Milwaukee Brewers two to one, um, Eric Lauer is a guy that w- pitched his first couple of years with the San Diego Padres. Well, he was down at the alternate training site for Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's in the stre- in the middle of a uh, stretch where he had seven. They have seventeen games in seventeen days. So Craig Council decided he wanted to give his regular starters an extra day of rest. So they brought Lauer up because he has had great success against the Dodgers in his career. Well, he did it again yesterday. Now he only went five. But it was five shutout innings. He allowed four hits, struck out three, walked a couple. And uh, then the Milwaukee bullpen does its job. Uh, Four relievers combine uh, to hang on, and Josh Hader picks up his sixth save of the season. And uh, the Milwaukee Brewers win this one 2-1. Trevor Bauer, the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, went the distance for the Dodgers, only gave up four hits. Uh, but one of them left the ballpark. It was a two-run bomb by Travis Shaw, and that was the difference in the game. It was the first loss of the season for Bauer, who now has an ERA of uh, 2.8 on the season. Uh, the Phillies yesterday had to play their game without uh, Bryce Harper. Word is, is that Harper is okay. Um, we saw some video of him uh, after getting hit in the face the other night and uh, he seems to be okay, but they're, they're going to hold him out. Uh, they held him out last night. They may hold him out again today just to make sure all the cobwebs are cleared. Uh, but despite not having him yesterday, they, they played a pretty good game, but they eventually lose to the St. Louis Cardinals 4-3. to um, Kwan uh, Kim with a good start for the Cardinals, and then the bullpen does a good job. Uh, Al, Re- Al Reyes picks up the win with two shutout innings of relief. Aaron Nola got the start. For the Phillies, went six, struck out seven, but allowed uh, three runs on four hits, uh, including a home run by Matt Carpenter, his second of the season. So the Phillies now one game under five hundred at uh, 12 and 13, and uh, the Atlanta Braves lose as well. So first place in the National League East, folks, you got it, 12 and 13. The Every team in the National League East under five hundred. Atlanta and Philly on top. The Mets are a game under five hundred. They're technically tied for first as well. And then you've got the Marlins, two games under, and Washington is nine and twelve, as a league game out of first place. Uh, again, just uh, bizarre uh, standings in Major League Baseball this year. The Seattle Mariners beat the Houston Astros yesterday, one nothing. You say Kikuchi, who has been, uh, you'd have to say, disappointing. Since uh, Seattle signed him from Japan, uh, his numbers the last couple of years not very good. Got torched a couple of times this season. Well, yesterday uh, he took a no hitter into the seventh inning against the Houston Astros. He ends up giving up a hit in the seventh, uh, but uh, finishes seven innings, struck out seven, just the one hit. He walked a couple of guys uh, as the Mariners shut out the Astros one to nothing. The difference in the game a home run by Taylor Trammell, his fourth of the season uh, in the third inning off Garcia. And uh, that was it. A very quick game yesterday, just six hits combined uh, by the two teams, two hours and 43 minutes. That's the way actually should have been faster than that. But Seattle now with that 14 and 12 record, uh, two games behind the Oakland Athletics in the American League West. Uh, The Chicago White Sox were really enjoying the fact that they got to play the Detroit Tigers yesterday. Uh, they sweep a doubleheader 11-0 and 3-1. Uh, the White Sox got things rolling now. Tony La Russa finally got this team playing the way everybody thought they could. They have uh, won eight of the last ten, now sit at 14-10 and 10 on the season. Uh, Dylan Cease, with a shutout in the second game, struck out nine and uh, did not walk anybody, gave up just three hits, picked up his first win of the season. So uh, the Chicago White Sox on a bit of a roll right now. And the I mentioned the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they whacked the Cubs the night before, shut them out 10 nothing. Well, the uh, Cubs returned the favor last night as they beat the Braves. The final in that one was 9-3. to uh, Bryce Wilson got the start for Atlanta, couldn't get out of the third inning. Uh, as he picks up the loss as Chicago had 16 hits in the game. It is 26 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us to talk about the NFL draft last night, what the Patriots did, what he thinks the Patriots will do today. And I'll tell you what, just a bit of a spoiler. Uh, I mentioned the guys from the Sunday card did their draft predictions uh, and we ran that just the other night. Well, I'll tell you what, they were uh, six for their first six, and they did a pretty good job in the first round. We'll talk about all that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. It is 29 minutes past the hour, and as we are. All the time when we were talking NFL football we have Dan Zampano joining us Dan Zampano who I had to imagine was just vibrating last night watching the NFL draft uh, good morning Dan how are you did you get any sleep
0: Barely Gene. it is a new day the sun has come up it's like it's like what maybe the the song on rock uh, a a new <laughs> world a new a, a new Gone. It's a new day in Massachusetts. Well, I am very, very excited.
1: Massachusetts. New
0: era of Mac. That's right. exactly right.
1: It's Massachusetts. This is, and look, this is. We'll get to the rest of the draft in a minute. But this is historic in, in this, in this sense. Bill Belichick has never, in his head coaching career, taken a quarterback in the first round of the draft. Not with the Patriots. Not with the Cleveland Browns. How difficult do you think it was for him to pull the trigger on this?
0: Um, look, I think they saw, and and really we see this kind of trend happening from free agency as well, is that they could not go through another year like that from they had last year. So uh, if you watch, it's funny, if you watch the uh, the Patriots' Twitter release like the moment it happened, the video that it happened, and and they kind of huddled together and they say, "Are we all okay with this? Is this like the direction we want to go?" And and they made the swing. I I'm sure it was a difficult decision, but as the board kept getting, you know, those two quarterbacks kept sliding, you start getting more nervous and more nervous and more nervous. But it's something that they had to do. They had had to adjust this position, and they actually did it. And and it, it really. Kind of shocked. I guarantee they shocked a lot of people when and by making that pick. And I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to do it.
1: Well, here's what's interesting. I mean, and I think everybody that's a Patriot fan agrees that th- this had to get done or they had to, whether they did it the way they did or whether they moved up, something had to get done with the quarterback position because, you know, yeah, they have Cam Newton signed, but that's not the answer. We saw that already. But what's interesting was after the pick was made last night, I was following, you know, Twitter feeds with all the people that I follow, and there were people that were actually not happy with this. They wanted the fact if they were gonna take a quarterback, they wanted a guy like Justin Fields. I get the sense, Dan, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but the people that aren't happy are not happy that they took another drop back quarterback. They wanted somebody who was more athletic. So the guy that everybody was talking to was, look, Justin Fields was there. We think Justin Fields was a better quarterback. What are the Patriots doing? Um I mean, I think it's I mean, we see obviously the trend in the NFL is to have these mobile quarterbacks. So I mean, can you understand why some people might feel that way?
0: Yes, but the people that feel that way will never be happy or satisfied. I mean, that's, that's not, like, <laughs> you know, I, I can understand it because, look, last night was about figuring out one thing. Where is the Patriots offense going? That's what we all wanted to know. Are they going to be the Cam Newton style? Are they going to change it up? Are they going to go towards the new quarterback, his own read, you know, running style quarterback? And when you really think about it, when you really think about it, you really think Bill Belichick values that much a quarterback running the football after 20 years? No. I mean, I, I, I don't. Right. I don't at all. So a Mac Jones becomes the most logical fit because what do the Patriots value over anything else is quarterback intellect. That's what they value. Guys that can throw people open, seeing things before they happen. Mac Jones has been constantly, constantly talked about as the most intelligent quarterback in this draft. So why not take a flyer and take a chance on a kid who, by the way, just so happens to be one of not just the smartest in the, in, in the league in terms of football, but smartest as a person and, of course, the Alabama connection. Uh, it, it, it's so perfect that you never thought it would really happen and it's a, it's a perfect fit. They can now run the Tom Brady offense again.
1: Yeah, well, and, and it's hard. I don't understand, you know, the part the part I don't understand is uh, it's hard to argue when you look at Mac Jones's numbers from last year. I get it. It's college football and, you know, there's 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 different levels and you're going to play some tomato cans during the season. But at the end of the day, 41 touchdowns and four interceptions and you threw for 4500 yards. How can anybody argue? I don't care who you're playing. Those are some pretty impressive numbers.
0: You know, Bill Belichick made a really good statement last night. He made a really good statement last night after the draft in his post game. He said, "If we start, if we start evaluating players based on their circumstances instead of their results, then we're not going to get a good draft grade on anybody." Right. And I think that got lost in the sauce last uh, for the last three months. That uh, that statement really sums up what's wrong with all the GMs and, and all the coaches that are drafting is that they start looking at things like that to justify not taking a player. Right. And they miss out on opportunities. And I think that was the most telling thing that I got outside of Cam is still our quarterback. <laughs> I think that is still I think that is still the most telling thing that, that Belichick said last night.
1: Um, well, let's get to the rest of the draft and, uh, then we'll talk about what the Patriots are going to do in day two that, that comes up, uh, later on. But, uh, first of all, congratulations. You were six for your first six with the, uh, the mock draft that uh, you guys did on your show the other night. So, uh, and if, and if some trades aren't made, you know, who knows, maybe you, maybe it would have been, uh, you know, 10 for 10, who knows, but, um, it's interesting too that you had Trey Lance going third to the 49ers yet there were still a lot of people that were surprised by that pick last night
0: stunned and and you know what told us that it was going to happen was the betting markets the betting markets had props that had Mac Jones the day or, I'm sorry Trey Lance that day yesterday at plus 150 to be picked by the 49ers. By the time the draft started, he was a minus 120 favorite. And it like, I, I can't I can't tell you how crazy it is in the last two days how how that market swung and how the 49ers came to that conclusion uh, really in the last three or four days of the draft. I mean, they were... If this draft had been last week, I bet they would have taken Mac Jones. Yeah. I really believe that. I really believe that. So... I think Trey Lance, as I've continued to say, I've said it everywhere I've been asked, has the highest ceiling of any of these quarterbacks, including Trevor Lawrence. I think he is absolutely fantastic. Raw, yes, but his talent could be otherworldly if they get it right. And I think he's the perfect fit for San Francisco.
1: Look, everybody knew that the Jets were going to take Zach Wilson. Now, having said that, how much of an upgrade do you see him being versus a Sam Darnold? I mean, it, did they really, with the maneuvering that they did, did they really do the right thing here?
0: Honestly, honestly, I don't think they did. Honestly, if if it's, if it's me and, and I'm with the Jets, I, I do not make that trade. I pick up the I pick up the fifth year option. And I draft the lineman. Right. I think that lineman, Panay Sewell, uh, fell to Detroit. I thought they were giddy, as you can see inside their, right. their draft room. They're they're all jumping up and down. But uh, to me, look, I, I think Zach Wilson has talent and can be good in this league. He's got the non-platform-looking, Patrick Mahomes-looking you know, type of style of play. Uh, he looks like, you know... I don't. Some people say he looks like he's 12 years old. Some people say he looks like a model. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really sure. But uh, maybe he can model for Old Navy or something. But uh, to me, it's. Uh, to me, I just don't see. I just don't see a lot of these guys. I thought Fields. I, I've, I've said all along, Fields. I thought was the second best quarterback in the draft. I don't see the fit, and what they're gonna do. That's the problem. When you draft a quarterback, you got to draft a guy that fits your coaching style. And Wilson is a very diverse quarterback, but I, I don't think the Jets really have a co- uh, an identity on offense yet. So I don't know why they they got rid of a guy who, who understands the city, understands how to handle it, and understands you know uh, what comes with being a New York Jets quarterback. So this is going to be a big learning curve for him.
1: Well, let me tell you the pick that surprised me. Now, it didn't surprise you because you had it in your mock draft. And I suspect that Joe Burrow was behind this pick, but the Bengals taking uh, Jamar Chase in the with their pick surprised me a little bit. It, only in that Joe Burrow damn near got killed last year, and yeah. you know, I mean, they I would have thought that they would be looking for an offensive lineman. I thought Sewell from Oregon. Would, might be the guy that they would take early just so that they can keep their quarterback upright. But I suspect that Joe Burrow may have done a lot of lobbying to get his old teammate on this team.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, I disagreed with Matt when he made that pick. So this is me and Matt's mock draft, not just mine. And he he made that choice of Jamar Chase. And... I totally disagreed with him. I said, they have to protect this dude. Yep. And the more I think about it, you know, they have, they are now really, like, they have a lot of talent now, especially at the receiver position. But man, I mean, you do not want, you do not want this guy turning into the Andrew Walker of the league or turning into the Carson Wentz of the league. Right. And it does scare me a little. Now, they did address it in free agency, but to me. I think I like what the Chargers did better than what the Bengals did. I'm not saying Jamar Chase is going to be a bad player. I think he's going to be fantastic. Yep. But you got to protect the new franchise, and the Chargers did that and the Bengals yep. didn't. So we'll see how it pays off.
1: Um. So the Chicago Bears may wow, actually huh? you – know, what a, what a pick. This, this, I mean, I was shocked when they did this, that they made this trade, and the Chicago Bears might have – uh their first real quarterback since Sid Luckman <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know if look if if Fields is really the second best quarterback in this draft as you think he is the Chicago Bears might have actually solidified that position for the first time in a long long time it took a lot of guts to do what they did
0: it did but you know what they had to do? They had to save their jobs. <laughs> that, that Ryan, yeah. Pace, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy had to save their jobs. I I had talked about this on our draft show, is that, look, if the Bears see a guy that's falling, especially if he gets outside the top 10, and especially if it's Fields, uh, then they have to pull the trigger. Right. They have to pull the trigger because they can't afford not to. And you know what? I think they did the absolutely right thing. I think they had the best pick of the draft right there. They, they knew yeah. what they had to do. They paid a heavy price for it. But you know what? At the end of the day, if you want to keep your job in Chicago, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, you got to make a splash. And this kid, I'm telling you, I think there will be a lot of teams that passed up on this kid that are going to maybe regret it. Uh, that includes maybe the New York Jets. That includes maybe the Denver Broncos, unless they can swing another high-profile quarterback, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And uh, I think there's a couple of teams really that that are gonna they're gonna miss him because he is tough and he can do all the things that Trevor Lawrence can do. He can do all the things that Trevor Lawrence can do, and on top of that, he runs 4 four speed. Right. So, I mean, I think that's what that's what he values between Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Those are the two picks. I thought this was a fantastic job by the Chicago Bears, and that's a rare thing. But you're right. I said Walkman is like the most ridiculous thing ever. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I love, I love it. I love it for the Bears.
1: Um, you know, and and an odd thing that happened last night. How about the trade between uh, in in division between the Cowboys and yeah. the Eagles? I mean, I know it was only a couple of spots, but you don't usually see teams within the division trading uh, on draft day. I thought that was very interesting. I mean, and frankly, yeah, well, a- I didn't, but I, but I didn't think that necessarily the Eagles did the best thing with that pick. I mean, not that Devonte Smith's not a not a good uh, wide receiver, but I just thought that the Eagles had other needs.
0: The Eagles did have other needs, but I think that people view Devonte Smith clearly not as high as Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase.
1: Okay, but, yeah,
0: and because of the size, issue, right. But I think that he he's still in that top tier of receivers, here okay. those three guys, and then everybody else. So to me, it was that was a circumstantial thing. If Patrick Sertan Jr. had not been picked by the Broncos, Dallas would have taken him. But once once they got once they lost that, they traded out and they drafted a really good player in Parsons. Uh, Philadelphia, I think is a really good spot for Devontae Smith just because he, he's going to learn how the NFL works there without having the pressure of winning. Nobody expects them to win. So now he gets to go play with his former quarterback and Jalen Hurts and, and kind of, uh, uh, become a product of the NFL now and see how it, how it works.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny that we did, we did see a lot of, uh, reuniting of former college teammates on the draft, didn't we? Because, yeah. uh. Uh, Jalen Waddle with the Miami Dolphins. And, uh, you know, it's so it's, it seems I, you know, and I don't know whether the guys are behind this, you know, hey, look, I really want my whole receiver with me, but it is kind of interesting that we saw a little bit more of that than, uh, than usual this year. Um,
0: yeah, we did see four guys, four guys actually end up matching up with our college quarterback. It's interesting.
1: An odd pick, uh, I thought, and, uh, although it shouldn't surprise me, but the Raiders, um, Going with Alex Leatherwood, another Alabama guy, um, at seventeen, um, this is a guy that most people didn't uh, didn't even have in the first round, or if they did, he was going to be the tail end of the first round. Was that a, was that a reach?
0: You know, some people will say that was a reach, and to me, look, I've watched Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood started forty five straight games at Alabama. Okay, and people people knocked him last night. I heard a knock on him because he allowed five sacks all of last year, uh, and and at least a sack like a sack every other game. Um, people knocked him for that, and he didn't have a great senior year. But he has been a he has been a rock at Alabama for four years, and and it, he has been uh, otherworldly, and has played every position: guard, right. tackle, and, and the and, and the Raiders really don't need a left tackle. They just signed their left tackle a huge deal, so uh, they dismantled their offensive line, so this pick was obviously necessary, and were there other guys there? Sure. Yeah, of course there were, but with the offensive linemen in this group, there was nobody there that was generational talent. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that I don't think that crafting Alex Leatherwood, we can knock John Gruden for a lot of things, and he could have done a lot worse. I right. can tell you that. So I, I'm not going to knock the Raiders for, for making that pick. They got the linemen that they wanted. Um, there's only really one or two offensive linemen I would have taken maybe over him uh, that didn't have injury concerns. So I, I don't hate the pick.
1: Um, the New York Giant fans not necessarily happy with the pick of Kadarius Toney. Uh, with the number twenty pick. Uh, you know, it, here we go again. I mean, these did these two New York teams? You know, go. you just you know, it's like, are they gonna be? Are they gonna get it right? And uh, but here we go, Kadarius Tony, a bit of an odd pick. I thought. I thought they they would go for somebody. Uh, you know, maybe in the uh, the front seven on defense, somebody that can get to the quarterback, and yet they went for a wide receiver.
0: Of all the teams last night. The team that continued to uh, never let us down in terms of making <laughs> buffoonery picks is the New York Giants. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it is it is stunning, stunning how they just have no concept of what they're doing in the in, in draft. I mean, I, I cannot believe that Gettleman still has a job after last night. You trade out great. Fine, no problem. Like, okay, Gettleman trade out for the first time in his career, pick up a lot of extra picks. Great job, excellent. It's draft <laughs> a gadget wide receiver, yeah, out of Florida, yeah. Like Kadarius Tony is every other receiver in this draft. Like there are um, like so many receivers that are just like Kadarius Tony. And by the way, you paid, and not just paid, but paid through the nose. And didn't compete against anybody for Kenny Galladay. You sign another tight end. You have problems on the offensive line and defensive line. quitty Pay from Michigan is sitting right there, falling to you right, in, right into your lap. He's practically asking you for a Christmas gift. Right. And you don't take. You take the gadget receiver that everybody uh, you can easily get in the second round, or a guy just like him in the second round. I mean, I just do not and will not ever understand what the Giants actually do. I, I, do, I don't think they actually like watch football. I knew you would. I, dis-
1: I knew you wouldn't disappoint me with the analysis on that one. That's why I had to throw that one out. I was like, I was like, I, could, yeah. I was I was surprised. I really was. Um, let me tell you I when I was
0: your head out of the sand. It's unbelievable.
1: What, let me tell you a pick I wasn't surprised with, and I actually like it. I mean, I'm not a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I thought that the the pick for Najee Harris is exactly what the Pittsburgh Steelers needed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So my thing with the Pittsburgh is that I don't think it's a bad pick. I just, to me, I don't think running back is a position that I necessarily would take in the first round. That, that's all I'm saying. I, and I don't think. And Pittsburgh, look, they lost James Conner. Yes, right. But they've got bigger problems on the offensive line. Mike Pouncey retired. Alejandro and is probably gone. In free agency still. I, I I, just think that they didn't address, especially having a quarterback still that is completely immobilized basically now. <laughs> uh, I just I don't think, I just don't know how running back solves any of your issues. And, you know, hopefully they go out today and there's a lineman that they like uh, and they'll draft in the second round. But I, I'm just, I'm not really sure I would have done that if I was Pittsburgh.
1: So if you, I mean, I guess if if you had to pick a winner from last night, who was it? Was it the Bears? Were they the winners of the draft last night, the first round?
0: Absolutely. I don't think there's any question. I mean they they got a they got a guy there with the Bears now that they address the number one need that they need. I mean, that, and they they have added guys uh, to the offense. Now they still need offensive line help. That's true. But they need a guy that's going to come in here and play. And I think Fields can definitely come in here and play. And and to just admit flat out that you messed up on Mitch Trubisky, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's – and to flip that over for Justin Fields, that, that's a home run to me. I also thought the Chargers really – the Chargers getting Slater yep. uh, was their number one need to protect the franchise. They needed to dress offensive line. They sign a center from the Packers, Corey Lindsley, in the offseason, and then they get this kid to come play. I think the Chargers absolutely nailed it, and they were probably over the moon that he was there. So I'd, I'd probably say the Chargers and the Bears did the best job.
1: All right, day two today. And uh, I was looking at uh, your Twitter feed last night, and you were talking about possible targets for the uh, uh, for the Patriots for day two. And uh, I think I made a little shot. At I, they, you, a couple of the guys you mentioned were a couple of midget receivers Um, you you know, and I, you know, look to me, if I'm, if I'm the Patriots, I mean, I, I think they do need to draft a wide receiver, but you know, I, I, at the same time, I don't want it to be a little guy. I think they need to find somebody that's got, uh, some size. I mean, those little guys are great, but they, they're also, they also have the, the downside. I like a guy that can go up and get the football. So where are they going in day two?
0: Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> because you know, they draft they they drafted a guy uh a couple of years ago. I don't know if you've heard about him. He's this 6'3" guy that hasn't done a thing for them well, in the first round. Yeah, so. Yeah,
1: okay. You know, I yep, mean, that's fair.
0: To, to me <laughs> to, to me I am I'm, I'm pretty much content with drafting anybody that's, you know, you can play outside receiver at 6.1. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. I, and and I get it. Five nine. I'm just looking at slot receiver. Okay. And I want competition there. I just want competition there for that. So so a guy like Shy Smith or a guy I love Amari Rodgers out of Clemson, like those receivers like that. Okay. Um look, I think that I think that if somebody there's a guy that if it falls and he fell out of the first round, a lot of people had him in the first round. If Christian Barmore is available from Alabama, the defensive tackle, oh, I think I they run to the podium.
1: Oh yeah. I forgot think they about him. run
0: to the podium for him. I think I, I they have to because they need a three technique. They, they need a three-technique defensive lineman uh, in the middle there to stuff the run. I think they would absolutely be floored if, if he was there. Still a lot of good pass rushers on the board, uh, like Aziz Ojalari out of Georgia uh, could be a guy that maybe they take. Uh, I think they got to address some of these older positions. Maybe linebacker is a position that they take. There's a whole group of guys that I got at different positions on, on that on that Twitter thread on, on my Twitter feed. You can go see. But I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of guys. I would address linebacker. I would address defensive line, and I would I would probably I would probably address receiver as well, obviously, because that is something of need. So uh, and maybe even corner. I think they could probably go corner as well with uh, with the uh, Stephon Gilmore situation still intact. So. So uh, th- those would be the positions of need that I would I would probably take.
1: So before uh, you know, and one other quick note on on the draft. Now, one team I was, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I I actually wondered if the Denver Broncos might consider doing something about the quarterback position because now, now I know they traded they got Teddy Bridgewater and they've got Drew Locke, but neither one of those are taking the Denver Broncos to the promised land. I mean, that's a position that they're going to have to address at some point because they're kind of, you know, uh, since Peyton Manning left, they've kind of become the Chicago Bears in terms of quarterbacking. Um, are, were you at all surprised that they they didn't think about doing something at the quarterback position?
0: When when me and Matt were on there, and Matt is a big uh, Matt is a big Broncos fan, so I was bait, waiting with bated breath for a reaction, <laughs> and when he when they drafted. When they grafted Pat Sertan, uh he kinda sunk into the couch a little Did bit. He? he was a little disappointed <laughs> after that. But he really I think he really wanted Justin Fields. Yep. But listen, you mentioned a guy you mentioned the guy and Peyton Manning, right? So so Peyton Manning was really the last great quarterback. So the Broncos are, are privy to maybe getting guys at the end of their careers that are legends. So yeah,
1: I got one for you.
0: Who's to say that? So who, yeah, I think you might. I think you might have somebody in yeah, mind.
1: I'm thinking that well, if, threw
0: the draft into a tizzy last night yeah. with, with what possibly could have happened.
1: I mean, the, uh, I, I was—is
0: is he the possibility?
1: Well, I mean, look, I was when I saw that story yesterday that Aaron Rodgers said he wants out of Green Bay. My first reaction was, "This guy is just an idiot." Um, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> just never seems to be happy it's like he's not happy unless he's miserable and you know I mean it just was the most bizarre thing ever and of course that's all anybody wanted to talk about last night but supposedly a couple of teams inquired and the Packers shut him down very quickly he said he's playing for us he's not going anywhere so that tells me I mean I guess unless Aaron Rodgers says he's not going to report
0: I don't think he's going anywhere is he I think Aaron Rodgers is good as gone. Do you really? I think he just. I think he's as good as gone. I, I really do, and I, I and I think any trade offer that the Packers get for him, they should trade him. They absolutely should trade him. He's at the tail end of his career. You've planned for this. He just already, won the, the Dan Dan.
1: He just won the MVP.
0: Yeah, but he's not coming. It's not. It's not the fact that he won the MVP. It's not that Aaron Rodgers clearly doesn't want to be here anymore. They haven't helped him at all in any way, shape, or form over the last three years to get him any help. They haven't changed his roster at all. And okay. they've been to the NFC championship two years at two years in a row. Two years in a row they've been to the NFC Championship with, with great teams. How much farther can the Packers go? They haven't addressed anything. Okay. There's no there's no new there's no new roster uh gets that they've had. And all they've done is draft a quarterback in the first round. I mean that that's what they did when they had more pressing needs. And to me, and to me, at this point, they've pissed, they've they've pissed Rodgers off. So I get people don't like Aaron Rodgers and think he's smug and whatever. And and he's only won one championship. This guy is just exactly my point. He's yeah. the MVP of the league. Right. And, and you're not going to try and help this guy out. They haven't off, They haven't offered him uh, the contract extension, as far as I know, more money. I mean, at, at, at any point until this year when they pissed him off after drafting a quarterback. <laughs> so to me, it's like what what why would I stay here? I've done everything I can do here possibly to to help this franchise win a Super Bowl and and it's not good enough apparently to get me any help because I am at the tail end of my career. Look at Tom Brady. Well, I mean, yeah. I think he sees maybe he sees Tom Brady and says, "Huh, that looks pretty freaking nice." <laughs> you know? I mean, like uh, you know, I I to me I would have thought San Francisco would have been a great spot for him, but now that San Francisco kind of has their guy, I mean, is is Denver the spot maybe that, that, that Aaron Rodgers goes? I, I think Green Bay has has rued this day, and they will rue the day that and he doesn't show up to camp. I, I really don't think he's going to be a guy that shows up. I don't wow. think he is, and they're going to have to get rid of him. Wow. Well and that would change change the whole landscape oh right? my goodness change yeah the whole landscape. oh
1: my goodness i mean that that would change the uh, the the complexion of the afc west would certainly change in a big ol hurry
0: mm-hmm.
1: well i i i, oh, yeah. I you know I, I guess i get where you're coming from but i just boy I, wow i i'm not sure
0: and i get where green bay i get where green bay is coming from of course they don't want to let him go but guess what? This is this has been building for two or three years now. Yeah. Two or three years now. This has been building up to this point. We've speculated this. And now the chickens are coming home to roost because the guy's 37. He's just getting married. He's thinking about the twilight of his career and what he wants. Yeah. If he can chase another championship somewhere else because clearly he's not going to win one here. Why not?
1: Or he or he could just hang it up and go host Jeopardy.
0: Yeah, that, too. That, too. That,
1: too. Well, look, I know you're going to be glued to the television for a couple of more days watching this draft. Uh, I, I appreciate your time this morning. We're going to talk to you. I tell you what, we'll try to do this again maybe next week and uh, kind of put a bow on the whole draft and where things look. But uh, uh, thanks for your insight, Dan, this morning. We really do appreciate it.
0: Gene, it's always a pleasure. God bless. Have a good night.
1: All right. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Lady Annabellum along with Stevie Nicks. It's called Golden. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.